I'm Kia. I'm Craig. And, and we, we watched We Are Still Here. The realtor told you all about the Dagmars, huh? Yes, that was the family who first lived here, right? We heard it was a funeral parlor around the turn of the century. Oh. Um, don't say. Old Dagmar had been running the bodies and burying empty coffins. Some even said he was selling to the Orientals over in Boston, turning them into chop suey. Wasn't long after that that the, uh, the trouble began. You satisfy the darkness. You guys have moved in to one weird fucking town. All right, so it's been a little while since we watched this together. Yeah, it's been at least two months. Right. <laughs> what is We Are Still Here about? General synopsis. The story takes place in 1979, and basically this couple named Paul and Anne, um, they, their son just died in a car accident, and they moved to this old house in New England in the middle of nowhere. And the house that they move into, um, there's a family by the name of Dagmar that used to live in this house. But the, the rumor around the town, or the story about them around the town, is that they cheated the townspeople out of some money in this business that they were in and they were run out of town, the family that used to live in this house. So this new couple, our protagonist, move into this house and the, the woman starts to sense strange things are happening and she thinks that the spirit of her son is in the house um, and the husband isn't really buying it. Um, um, two neighbors, warn, uh, one neighbor warns them about leaving the house but that neighbor's husband tells the protagonist that the house needs a family. So, and that's apparently that's the tagline of this movie, the house needs a family. So there's something weird going on in this house. Um, the wife knows it, the husband doesn't believe it, and there's something up with this house from the previous family that lived in the, in the mm. house. So that's like a, the general synopsis. Yeah. Classic haunted house story, basically, yeah. for the most part. Um, so, anything else I say might be kind of a spoiler. So right. if you want to, I think that's a pretty good spot okay. to leave it in before we open up discussion. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good so, call. who's to open up the discussion? <laughs> Jeff, any observations about we are still here, twenty fifteen? Uh... This is readily available to stream <laughs> on Netflix. I'm pretty. But sure. I will say we came yeah. across this movie because I was in Best Buy, just in the horror movie section, looking for horror movies, and I saw it. Googled it, and it has like um, what is it? a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's pretty hard to find with a horror movie 
So I bought it. So it was an impulse buy. And one night, me, Craig, and our Jeff, Craig, and I, um, I was like, let's watch it. So we took it on faith that this movie was going to be kind of good. Right. So, yeah. That's how we came across it. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll open up with some things I liked about it. Um, I, I think the, the main strength this movie had for me um, was that almost the entire cast was older. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked that, that most of the cast was kind of mature and like well into their 40s, 50s, and beyond. I mean, yeah. some of the main characters are like old people, really. I mean, mm-hmm. like people in their 60s mm-hmm. and everything. And the main couple that you talk about, you know, having a deceased son and everything, they're decidedly, mm-hmm. I would say, late 40s, early 50s. 50s I yeah. mean, they're, they're yeah. older, you know, and I think it kind of brings some gravitas that we usually don't see in haunted house movies or movies with this sort of, it's usually a young couple with a young kid, yeah. you know, and if they're getting over the loss of someone, it's going to be a young child that they lost, that sort of thing. I can't so even it's kind think of, cool, of the but, last haunted yeah. house movie I, I've seen that didn't have a kid in it. Yeah, so, it's kind of cool of that it's adults that have to do one. with it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and their son is supposed to be in his 20s, right? He's supposed to right. be like college mm-hmm. age or right. maybe so, short That's age. a good, I never, because he died in a car accident. Yeah. Right. I didn't even, um, Think about that. I mean, to me, that's what had me hooked and kind of gave me a little bit of patience with it because it's a little slow. It's a little bit, it's paced a very specific way where there's a mystery surrounding the house. It's not just a standard haunted house movie. There's more of a conspiracy surrounding the house and the town and everything that these, this poor couple gets swept up into um, that kind of slowly unfolds. You know, it gives you a lot of traditional beats of a haunted house movie, but there's a little bit more kind of around the edges Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of, kind of patient for it to pay off because once it does, this movie goes from like quiet haunted house movie to just balls out, fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Like people are getting their heads ripped off and thrown against the wall yeah. style, just carnage. You know, yeah. it, it makes that. It goes. Change. It comes out of no. It's like um, starry eyes. Yeah. It goes from zero to like ten really quickly. Well, and, and I'll be honest. Violence. Yeah, and I, I was so. You know, I sat here and said I liked it, but I mean, to be honest, I was falling asleep a little bit. I was starting to venture into La La Land a little Mm -hmm. bit, and then out of nowhere, all this violence started happening, and I was like, I cannot believe this movie turned into this, you know? Um, Yeah, I I love that. I love the way it paid off in the end with the, uh, the end was really cool. The, uh, I thought the effects were really good, too, as far as, you know, I guess we're in spoilers now or no. Yeah, I kind of... Yeah. Well, no, we didn't really. Not give really, away. we didn't give away the twist. Maybe we shouldn't. You know, I mean, okay. it's okay to talk. Spoilers from here on out, but we're not going to just tell you beat by beat what happens. Right. Well, there. You know, when they finally show this, uh, these ghosts or whatever, they're you know still lingering in the house. They look really cool. Like I, I yeah. thought so. They were all like burned bodies mm-hmm. and. Right. They're not specters like we're used to, where you yeah. can see through them, and mm-hmm. you know they. Uh, Float. I guess they maybe float a little bit, but for the most part, yeah, they're solid. Actually, I think they when they I think they towards the end. I think they were just walking. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. just staying there. They're very tangible. It seems like yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. They look they look really cool. And they didn't they? It's been a while. Didn't they have like just you just saw the whites of their eyes? I think for the most part, their eyes are kind of glowy. They were just kind of burnt and very. Something else I really loved about it, if you're talking about standard issue haunted house movies, usually the ghost. Um, can't really actually touch people or do anything. It's kind of like they scare people and then they hurt themselves by falling or whatever. This one, these ghosts can literally touch you and rip you apart. I mean, they can actively attack you in ways that usually a ghost can't in a movie like this. 
So I thought that was kind of cool because when when the ghosts were pulling off some of their feats of strength or whatever, <laughs> I was like, I did not expect this at all. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, pulling people apart, ripping them in half. You know, just yeah, really gory. The... It's almost like a zombie movie in some yeah, ways. Exactly. And the 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 story is the the family that had lived there before that died. They had been burnt. So they can touch people and it burns their skin and stuff right. like that. So see, that's that a, a spoiler. So should we want to explain that about uh, the family? Because I said they were run out of town, and then you just uh, said they died. I thought we'd already gone into spoilers. Well, though. I said we could yeah. do spoilers. Yeah. 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 Well, no. Yes. Yeah, so let's explain that how they died. Okay. So the rumor was that they were run out of town, mm-hmm. but in reality, when that neighbor said the family, the house needs a family. Um, Basically, the families that have lived in there before, and I don't know how many families there have been. The house is built. No, the house, I think it's just one family. Because the house is built in the 1800s by that Dagmar family. And the rumor was that they had been run out of town, or that's what the, our protagonists are told, but they had actually been killed by the townspeople as part of a sacrifice to the evil that was under this house. So, um, and it's not explained where the evil came from. I'm assuming the evil was just underground and the Dagmars just happened to build their house on top of it or something. Mm. Um, but the movie never explains where the evil is, is, comes from, but that's what the neighbor means by the house needs a family because there's this evil that in, in order to keep it kind of satisfied, kind of like the Babadook, I guess, in order yeah. to keep it satisfied, you have to feed it a family. So Yeah, and everyone in town seems to know this too. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay, what about... Uh, the conspirators, right? Like, because uh, I, I thought the the next door neighbors that kind of introduce themselves pretty early on and are kind of a constant through most of it uh, were pretty great. I mean, I, I like oh, yeah. I like that couple, or whatever. Uh, particularly the male of, of the two, um, mm-hmm. and also you know talking about people aging and you know people kind of falling into roles or whatever. I thought uh, is her name Lisa Marie uh, mm-hmm. Tim Burton's ex wife. Oh, right, who's, You yeah. know a lot of his earlier films, or whatever. She shows up as like a a psychic, right? She's like she's a, some kind of a, spiritualist or something. She's a friend of the of the protagonist who visits the house to yeah. kind of help the wife figure out if they're really spirits in the right. house. Her and her husband. Yeah, they're, they're kind of like sensitive, supposedly, or whatever. Right. I thought that was a fun sequence, too. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, where, where they actively get attacked, you know, for, for kind of the first time, I think, where it's like a real over-the-top, you know... Um, Oh, and one other thing I thought was kind of interesting is these ghosts aren't really bound specifically to the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a sequence where uh, they chase a couple in a car at one point. They, they pop yeah. up in, in a moving car oh, and yeah, kill right. someone. And I was like, I did not expect that either. Yeah. I thought, you know, they would lead back to the, uh, you know, the house somehow or something yeah. like that. So it, it definitely, it bucked my expectations in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, because of the repetition of all the haunted house movies we've seen mm-hmm. over the past 30 years, you know. Yeah, I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the end, talking about, because everyone likes the end, like the, the neighbor that Craig just mentioned, um, the husband of that couple is the, what I kind of consider to be the leader of the townspeople. He's the one that tells all the townspeople, why is his family still alive? We, mm-hmm. you know, the, the house, the evil needs to be fed or whatever. So he kind of puts together a lynch mob of the townspeople to go over to the house um, to kill this family, but when he does that, the spirits actually of the previous of the Dagmar family end up killing all the townspeople in acting out their revenge for the townspeople killing them. 
And it's like super, super graphic and really, really bloody. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which I think is also something maybe unique to Haunted House movies to be that gory. Right. So, yeah. What about flaws? You know, we've kind of praised it a lot. I mean, yeah. what, what were some of the issues you guys had with this movie? Watching it, my first issue was the main lady, who I think her name is, I think her name is Barbara Crampton. She's apparently, she was in the reanimator, and she's apparently, you know, been around for a while and been in a lot of movies. Yeah. But I didn't think her acting was that great. Really? So, um, and I might have commented while we were watching that night that her acting wasn't that great um, to me. It wasn't horrible, but that was what stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, I thought they had very quiet, understated performances, which for the most part, I think, pays off at the end. Yeah. But you have to have patience with it. Because I could see someone watching this 30 minutes in, just going, you know what, this is boring me. Or this yeah. is just not captivating me. I'm, I'm moving on. Yeah. I could totally sympathize with that. But I think the juxtaposition of being quiet and understated and everything, and then how this thing ends, the last 20 minutes of this thing, is just like yeah. so insane that I think it it really undercuts. I mean, it helps that ending drive home a lot. Where I think that these have been very over-the-top actors, you know, like, we gotta get the fuck out of here! You know, if they had been very <laughs> big, you know, it wouldn't have had the same impact. The ending would have been telegraphed a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that they are talking in hushed whispers and seem distracted a lot, yeah. and, you know, I think that kind of helps the ending. But, again, I was almost asleep. I mean, I really, as much as I was kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm into this a little bit, I kind of felt myself Oh. Drifting a little bit, to be honest. So, I woke my ass up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't really. It's been a while since I watched. Since we all watched it, so it's hard right. to remember if there was uh, anything that stood out to me as being like you know a negative aspect. But I guess one negative aspect would be that I vaguely remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't vaguely remember. I remember the movie, but us talking about it is like, oh yeah, I remember this, that. Now, like it's kind of coming back to me. I kind of forgot about it after I watched it, uh, but I, I really enjoyed it in the moment. So. Well, I have to confess that it's pretty. It's a little forgettable um, mm -hmm. because I had to, I sat and watched it again today before oh, right. we. Uh, but I didn't actively watch it. I kind of had it on when I was doing other things and stuff, and all things yeah. to the movie. Um, because I anticipated being totally a blank slate yeah. when we talked mm -hmm. about it, so yeah, it didn't. There's not many scenes that really stuck in my mind, or individual moments that really stuck in my mind. Like it's yeah. all kind of a swirl now. No. Um, yeah, I don't know if this will ever become a classic necessarily. Right. No, but, but who knows, maybe. how about this, guys? If you frame it in the sense that, which I don't know how to pronounce this man's name, but the director is Ted Gio Gigan. I'm pronouncing it horribly, um, but this is his first feature-length film. This is the first time he's directed a movie. Uh, so if you look at it like that, yeah. it's pretty. Like I totally would be on board to see another thing that he directs. Right. You know, and especially if he makes similar decisions, I like the idea that he picks older actors and yeah. kind of sets things in kind of time periods that we're not used to seeing over and over again. Because yeah. we're kind of past seventies nostalgia, I think. We're, mm -hmm. we're like firmly in eighties, maybe even broke going into the nineties nostalgia. Right, yeah. So it's kind of cool that he's anchored, you know, the movie in the seventies. Uh, it looks very seventies too. Yeah. So. Yeah, and there's also something about setting it in that time too, where you know it's before cell phones and computers and stuff right. that uh, makes it a little more 
fun, and you you know yeah. you're, you're you're a little more limited in as far as oh we'll just call the neighbors or we'll just call someone to come help us, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, frankly, like having a cell phone in a horror movie is almost like a superpower. Yeah, if it works, you know what I mean. If you can use everything on your phone, the flashlight, you know, some of the apps and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're in really good shape. So yeah, I mean, it's almost. Maybe that's why we're seeing so many movies set in the past here yeah. lately, The Conjuring and stuff like that. Well, that has to be, I guess. But yeah. maybe that's some of the appeal of those, is that, yeah, it's before the era. People will instantly just be like, just right. call or text or Right. Where's so-and-so? Use their locator. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Or if it's a current movie, it has to be in the middle of nowhere where they have no cell service. Right. That has to be mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> or their battery right now. The signal. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, any any closing thoughts or anything like that? I think we've kind of yeah. I think that's that's about all I have yeah. to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it, like I said, it got a ninety five percent, which got my attention. But I do think maybe there's something to looking at Rotten Tomatoes and having that percentage in your head, and then when you see it, it doesn't live up to the ninety five. So if it doesn't live up yeah. to the ninety five, I feel a little disappointed. Even though it's still a good movie, I wouldn't put it at a ninety five though, because that means that it's almost as good as It Follows, and I don't. Right. Well, I wouldn't think that. Yeah. When it comes to Rotten Tomatoes, it's like if the review isn't negative, then it gets like a positive. A positive, yeah. So maybe there might have been like a lot of reviews that were like that were like, eh, it's pretty good, you know, that kind of right. thing. And That's then true. you see like a lot of people say that and you're like, oh, 95, it must be amazing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I would agree with that too. That's very fair. So if we have to rate it like we normally do on a yeah. grading scale, Jeff, what would you give it? Um. Let me think. What would I give it? Like a B. Okay. That's good. Yeah, I agree. I, I would give it as a one-time watch a good solid B minus. You know, but I don't think it's. I don't know how many times I'll revisit this movie if ever. Yeah. You yeah. know. I would give it a C plus. So good, but not great, and not as good as I thought it was going to be. And right. some of the acting wasn't. I didn't like it that much. Um, just from like the the wife, I think everyone else was pretty mm-hmm. okay. Um, so C plus, so it's a good. Yeah. If you told me a movie was a C plus, I'd still see it. Right. So. For a horror movie <laughs> uh, that a lot, maybe a lot of people haven't seen, I mean a B minus. That's a pretty good. I mean, I yeah. think that's what we're where we fell mm-hmm. in because we got a C plus and then yeah. a B minus. Overall, so. I think we all recommend it. Good. Yeah. Pacing a little bit slow, but overall good story. Really good special effects, I think. Yeah. An interesting looking ghost and the the yeah. ending where all the violence happens is really is really yeah. unique. Unique. Yeah. That's another so. thing you should remind me of. I was really impressed by the the special effects in it. I thought they were it was really well done. Right. Yeah. And the makeup and everything. The uh, so yeah, like if you know, you're looking for you know, it's a decent horror movie to watch on Netflix. You know, I'd, I'd definitely recommend You that. could do a lot worse than this movie, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And there'll be jump scares and creepiness, so, yeah. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we just reviewed We Are Still Here.
uh, several days ago, Gene Wilder passed away. Um, and we have sitting here in Craig Manor, Gene Wilder. No, no oh, Lord, oh. no. <laughs> Too soon, Jeff. <laughs> oh, what? I thought we had his ghost. No. Uh, but but uh, Jeff and Kia are both really big Gene Wilder fans uh, for slightly different reasons. So I thought it would be a good conversation, a good topic to uh, talk about Young Frankenstein slash Gene Wilder. Who wants to start us off? Well, I can start because I know Jeff is probably a good bigger fan so this being like a genre podcast or whatever we can end on the war on the horror movie um so i'm just basically a big gene wilder fan from willy wonka and the chocolate factory as a lot of people are um i've seen some of his other movies um and um but the willy wonka and the chocolate factory was the movie that really stood out to me and i used to watch it all the time as a kid, my mom still to this day will tell me every time she would walk into the room, I was watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And so, you know, I love that movie and I own it and I know the songs and I've had it as my ringtone and all these great things. Um, but I didn't really know exactly how much it meant to me or how much I loved the movie until I heard that he had died. Um, I had just come home from work and I was checking my phone. I was checking CNN just to see what was going on. And the breaking news is that he had died. And, like, I cried for, like, 15 or 20 minutes. Like, it came out of nowhere. And there have been a lot of celebrities that have passed recently, and I haven't cried over them. But it was like I knew him personally. And it just felt so unbelievable, even though he was, what, 83? Right. So it wasn't like, you know, he was a young guy out of nowhere dies. But, um, yeah, so it just really, I just, it was so hard to believe. And I guess at that moment, I was like, oh, okay. Well, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory meant a lot more to me than I thought. And a lot more to my childhood, I guess, than I thought. Um, so, Yeah, I think with uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, it's one of those movies that, since that movie came out, I feel like almost every generation after that movie came out was raised on that movie in some way. Like every, I feel like everybody watched it as a kid at least once, you know. So I think... Um, you know, that movie means a lot to a lot of people, and even if you don't like consciously think about it, it, it you know made an impression on you as a child, and uh, yeah, it's like a piece of your childhood. It's it's kind of one of those movies that's entered the echelon alongside something like say Wizard of Oz, right? Or right. even if, like you said, even if it's not necessarily your favorite movie, I mean, pretty much everyone's exposed to it mm-hmm. and appreciates what it is, you know, very early on, and then obviously for some people. It becomes their favorite movie. I mean, because my cousin, uh, that's my age, also it's one of his favorite movies too. So I mean, I think a lot of people, roughly, in our age bracket, it's it's one of those movies, right? So, yeah. yeah. And I think Gene Wilder is so was so like um, charming and odd in this movie, mm-hmm. but in in such a lovable way. Um, even I mean, he's and he's such a jerk to those kids in the, throughout that movie but he's still you still love him like he's almost you know like you know the, the way Bill Murray kind of seems you know uh, in that you know very sarcastic and well I was going to bring up too I mean think of even how uh, there's that really dominant meme 
with Gene Wilder's face as Willy Wonka, mm-hmm. where he kind of has that look of like, really tell me, mm-hmm. you know, he has that look, and then the meme is almost always, uh, you know, basically like so you're trying to tell me uh, you hate horror movies, but your favorite movie is Gremlins or something, right? Yeah. Like, like it's you know, it's always kind of like you're a hypocrite, you know, and mm-hmm. it's his face attached to it. I mean, like you can look at that one still and kind of get so much from it. You know, what I mean, yeah. just the way he's playing that part and his eyes and everything. I think, yeah, you get all that yeah. personality from right. that. Yeah. And uh, his uh, his hair was a big part of it too. I think <laughs> just that look of Willy Wonka, with, and that was just Gene Wilder's like odd hairstyle <laughs> from the seventies, where it was that flopped over to one side. Mm. And when he would get like really animated, it would move around and make it even funnier. Um, yeah, and one of my 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 probably one of my favorite lines in the movie is that it always makes me laugh, even though if, in the context of the movie, it's sort of as a kid, it always kind of seemed awkward to me because you're like oh man he's getting mad but that scene where he was like um you lose good day sir (laughs) (laughs) mr wonka i am extraordinarily busy sir Uh, i just wanted to ask about the chocolate Uh, the lifetime supply of chocolate for charlie when does he get it he doesn't why not because he broke the rules what rules we didn't see any rules did we charlie wrong sir Wrong! Under Section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses herein and herein contained, etc., etc., fax mentis incendium gloria culpum, etc., etc., memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized, so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Like, now I hear that and just laugh. It's <laughs> such a funny line. But, you know, as a kid, I'm like, ooh, really watching that. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a great movie. Yeah. Let's watch it. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think that that's the reason it's kind of hit so many people is specifically Willy Wonka. Like, mm-hmm. uh, is it Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka? Willy Wonka Chocolate it's Chocolate called Willy Wonka. That version's Willy Wonka, right? You mean his death? Yeah, yeah. It probably depends on what age you are, mm. maybe. I mean, me and Jeff are about practically the same age, mm-hmm. but um, so obviously there are going to be outliers, but I do think it depends on your age because, I mean, I didn't grow up watching Young Frankenstein. I only recently actually saw it. So, but I did grow up watching, and I don't know if a lot of parents set their kids down in front of Young Frankenstein as they yeah. did Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Right. Schools showed Willy Wonka and the Chocolate right, Factory. Yeah. And it was really interesting because it's almost like like a disciplining type movie where it's almost telling kids, this is how you should not act, and if you do act, this is how you're gonna be punished, and the kids were punished very harshly, and this is how you should act you know, it was kind of like, it was like a big teaching moment, too. And just visually, I mean, I mean, yeah. come on. It's like a child's fantasy, a river made of chocolate. And, <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing visually. So, um, so yeah, I think it depends on the age yeah. of the person. But, um, but I, I, do, I will say Willy Wonka, I do think he plays, in terms of your age group, he's more of a um, father-type character. In mm. Willy Wonka, and that may be something that if you watch it 
as a young person you take to. So that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and I feel like he's one of the only people that could have played that role because I mean, you know, years later they did the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Tim Burton's version where Johnny Depp played him, and uh, I'm sure there's people that like Johnny Depp is in that role too, but I feel like most people, at least our age. Mm kind of shunned that and didn't care. I shunned it yeah. I still haven't seen it yeah it's, I, I personally didn't care for it <laughs> and didn't like the author um role doll um mm-hmm. I think didn't he not want Gene Wilder to play Willy Wonka oh he's I'm pretty sure he's been dead for years who was the it author, it may have been Gene Wilder himself no I it was no I think she's saying like Roald Dahl didn't want Gene Wilder to play. Oh, oh right. I didn't realize that. I thought you meant Something, Johnny Depp. I thought, no, 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 I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, sorry. and that's crazy to me because I don't know who else could have done it. Well, I mean, I'd argue that Johnny Depp is probably the best actor of our generation. Um, and him taking on Willy Wonka, um, I don't know, I wish people had an open mind to it because I thought it was one of his best performances. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is probably one of my favorite movies. I'd put it top four. Um, And easily my favorite Tim Burton movie and Johnny Depp movie. (laughs) (laughs) So that's such a straight face. I'm like, when is he going to start? I was just trying to be contrarian for a second. No, I I haven't even seen it. It it, it was so. It didn't look good to me at all, so I never got around to it. Doll wanted another actor named Spike Milligan to play. Willy Wonka. Interestingly, Spike Milligan died in 2002, also at the age of 83. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just hard to believe that anyone else could play Willy Wonka. But anyway. Well, Gene Wilder himself said uh, it was an insult. Are you bothered by remakes of classic films of yours like Willy Wonka, Charlie, and the Chocolate Factory? Uh, I think it's an insult. And it's probably... Warner Brothers insult, I think. I like Warner Brothers for other reasons, but to do that with Johnny Depp, who, who I think is a good actor, and I like him, but I don't care for that director, and he's a talented man, but I don't care for him for doing stuff like he did. Nice. Yeah, so, I, I remember that uh, pretty distinctly. And that the funny, Wilder didn't approve. The yeah. funny thing about it is, like, Tim Burton, like, you know, his movies are, are fun. I like him, and he does this dark, you know, his dark take on things. Like, the original Willy Wonka is really dark, and you really notice it as you get older. Like, the scene where they're, where they're going through the boat. Yeah. I mean, that's, trippy, like, yeah. so trippy. Um, and it's, isn't it a kid's movie, technically? Sure, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he they were able to, to do all of that without the gimmicks that Burton does. And how, I don't even know how he does the, how he did that movie is it similar to the Alice in Wonderland where it's all kind of cartoony and I think so I think that's pretty fair to assume yeah it's also like such a high you know standard to live up to like because you know I feel like they didn't even need to remake that movie Uh, so yeah because everybody who's seen the original is like you're never going to live up to that well it's kind of like again Wizard of Oz I mean if you read the original novels or whatever they're a lot different than the musical that stars judy garland right but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like this wonderful idea to make another wizard of oz and go this is the new wizard of oz guys because yeah. obviously everyone's going to think 
Mm-hmm. What about the old 39 one? You know, we'll yeah. always go back to that. I think mm-hmm. Willy Wonka has that spot kind of where if you make a new version, it's always going to be like, why? Well, you know, we I mean, have this it's one. It's so you know. classic and it stands time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I agree. What about Young Frankenstein? Frankenstein? We want to delve into that? Young <laughs> Frankenstein! <laughs> Young Frankenstein! Ho, ho, ho! <laughs> that harkens back to our I Frankenstein conversation. Yeah, uh, Young Frankenstein has been one of my my favorite movies for years now. Like I, I don't think I really got into it until I was like late teens, early twenties. But uh, it's become a, a staple of every Halloween season. And no matter how many times I watch it, it still makes me laugh out loud. <laughs> like the day that Gene Wilder died. Uh, I went home and put the Blu-ray on while I was like making dinner and stuff, and I was still I was like quoting the movie as I was watching it and laughing out loud. Mm. It's got so many great lines in it, like the very beginning where he takes the scalpel and he jams it into his leg, and then he. My favorite part of that is when, after he jams it into his leg, he pauses for a second, then he takes his hand away and looks at the scalpel, and then he grabs it again and looks back up. <laughs> <laughs> Just that like little pause of looking at the thing. Um, and that great line, uh, my grandfather's work was doo-doo. My grandfather's work was doo-doo! <laughs> <laughs> we, we played it at our uh, Halloween party last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was supposed to be background, mm-hmm. but I think that it kind of kept drawing people in over and over again. Yeah. You know, we were, we were playing games and, and, you know, hanging out, talking, whatever. And I feel like there were a lot of asides where people just kind of stopped. To, to look over their yeah. shoulder and watch, you know, scenes from Young And they're quoting the movie right. yeah. With, yeah. along with it, too. And that yeah. whole movie was Gene Wilder's idea, too. Like, he approached Mel Brooks and was like, hey, I want to do this parody of Frankenstein. And uh, Mel Brooks was like, I'll do it if you do Blazing Saddles. And he was like, all right. <laughs> wow. And so, uh, and there's, uh, I'm sure anybody who's a fan of Frank, Young Frankenstein already knows this story, but the, the, you know, the scene at the end where he does Putting on the Ritz, uh, he wrote that into the script, and Noel Brooks was reading it. He's like, wait a minute, you guys like do a song and dance number to put it on the Ritz? He's like, yeah, we're cutting that out. And Gene Wilder's like, no, you can't do that. Like, This is hilarious. And he fought really hard for it. He's like, no, this needs to be in the movie. This is why it needs to be in the movie. This is what makes it funny, blah, blah, blah. And Mel Brooks was like, all right, it's in the movie then. He's like, I... Uh, He's like, I just wanted to see if you'd fight for it. <laughs> He's like, if you fought for it, then I knew you believed in it, then I was going to keep it in the movie. But if you were just like, eh, whatever, then we were going to cut it. And it um, turns out to be like one of the most classic scenes in the movie. You know, If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? I think he did something similar in Wonka because I think I read a while back. And it came out after he died, but I think I read it before that the one thing he wanted in the movie, like his one condition was that he could do the flip, the oh, fort yeah. flip when he comes out with the cane. Oh, and yeah, again, yeah. a very recognizable moment. You yeah, know, he when he, yeah. So yeah. I wonder if he yeah. did that often with his movies that like he always tried to maybe get something in it. I said, I'd like to come out with a cane and be crippled. And I said, because no one will know from that time on whether I'm lying or telling the truth. And he said, you mean if we don't do that, you won't do the part? I said, yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Okay, okay, we'll do it. 
and, uh, and I meant it too, because it was a tricky part. But that element of who knows, is he lying or is he telling the truth, was what my main motor was. And, uh, and I liked that, it appealed to me a lot. Yeah, uh, that whole movie's fantastic. The, all, all this, they, I think they used as much of like the same sets and props well, from the original. That's what I was going to interject with. Like, uh, if you have a big, like me being just a huge fan of the Universal Monster movies and the original cycle that starts with Karloff and you know continues with Glenn Strange and Lon Chaney, um, they use like Jeff was bringing up. They found the original prop master that built all the industrial uh, gadgets and everything that we see in Frankenstein, the original 31 movie, um, uh, with the Jacob Ladder and you know the, the electronics and everything. They found that guy and he had a lot of the original equipment. So young Frankenstein recycles a lot of the, the original stuff that they were using in the first Frankenstein movie, which to me is incredible in the 70s that that guy was still active and still active enough to be like, yeah, sure, I'll show up and like set it all up for you, you know? And that they cared enough to actually use that person because they probably could have very easily sidestepped that and, you know, recreated it themselves or whatever. Um, and by the way, Craig is wearing a Monster Squad shirt. Not only does he talk the talk, he walks the walk. <laughs> it's true. I'm also wearing shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. I remember when I was a kid watching that movie, uh, when I was really little... You know, the movie's all black and white, and it, right. it looks like a movie from the 30s. And I thought it was a movie from the 30s when I was right. little, and it, which really confused me seeing that in Willy Wonka. And I was like, that's the same guy, but he looks he's like he's the same age. He's a vampire! <laughs> yeah, like, how did they do that? And my dad was like, oh, well, they did it in black and white on purpose. It was a, like, you know, it, they had color movies at the time. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, you know, eight. I don't sure. know why it was the first time I saw it, but... Uh, I think I think another big thing about that movie is that my dad was a huge fan of it. You know, uh, he all he he's probably watches that movie like three times a year himself. You know, like I'll, I'll go to his house and he's got it on. Yeah. And uh, so like growing up, my dad was always like, "You gotta watch this." You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I said, staple of every Halloween. It's it's usually like the first movie I watch to kind of kick off the season. It's cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it just so happened that he passed away right around the same time I would normally watch it anyway. Mm. So, um, um, you, you know, when Mel Brooks was kind of doing the revivals and the aughts um, with the producers, and I think he did one other one that was pretty big, where he was recreating his movies as Broadway musicals. Oh, uh, They tried to do Young Frankenstein and bombed. Really? It didn't do very well. Oh. Um why do you think that is? I mean, I know you don't know anything about I don't know anything about it either. I just, I just remember that it didn't do very well, and they expected it to be kind of a big yeah. deal. Um, do you think it's because of Gene Wilder? And I was about to say, I think it is just Gene Wilder kind of yeah. makes the... Well, Gene Wilder and Marty Feldman make that movie. Right, yeah. And, uh, like, Marty Feldman is hysterically funny in this movie. Like, yeah. most of his lines are the ones that make me laugh out loud every single time, you know, no matter what. You know that scene where they they walk into that dungeon and they're seeing all these heads and skulls and stuff, and his head is just up there. And he's like, "I ain't got no body, and nobody cares for me." Igor, Frederick. Like that makes me laugh every single time I see it. And then when uh, Gene Wilder's like, uh, "Damn your eyes!" Too late. And then he points to his <laughs> eyes and they zoom in. You know. It, also, I, I read somewhere that. Uh, the gag with his hump 
shifting positions <laughs> was something that he did himself. Oh, really? That they didn't even realize it until they were like halfway done with the movie and they were like, are you are you changing the hump where it's at? And he was like, yes, I'm ad-libbing. And they were just like, oh, for fuck. And they had to like basically keep it and yeah. make it a running gag. Yeah. Because yeah. there's that scene where he's like, wasn't your hump on the... Uh, never mind. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if after they... Obviously, after they found that out, they must have been like, okay, well... Well, I mean, they had to run with it. I think they shot too much of it to go back and try to correct it or whatever, so... Yeah. yeah. Um, it's great, too, because, I mean, going back to the Frankenstein thing with, with it fitting in with the old movies, like, I usually watch every year at some point, I'll watch the entire Frankenstein series um, in the entire cycle. And usually I include Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, just the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Um, Young Frankenstein fits pretty seamlessly in with it, like, for the reasons yeah. you were stating, that they shot it in black and white, they reuse a lot of the same... Uh, uh, props and everything, and a lot of the characters kind of echo previous installments and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, what's really strange, if you really watch these movies, there's one, um, I think it's Son of Frankenstein, maybe, yeah. where, where there's like a little boy that uh, is like the Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein's young boy, looks a lot like Gene Wilder yeah, as a child. Curly hair. He has curly hair <laughs> like Gene Wilder, and he kind of has <laughs> mannerisms that you could almost see like yeah. if he grew up. Um, so you could almost fit it as like a true sequel like that kid grew up and became young Frankenstein and he revisits you know the castle where he grew up and that sort of thing you know it kind of works like even though the tone is obviously different like it still kind of works as a sequel in a weird way yeah totally I noticed that too because I just watched Son of Frankenstein for the first time in years like a year or two ago yeah it's a lot of fun and uh, watching that I was like wow I always assumed Young Frankenstein was a parody of Frankenstein, but it's more a parody of Son of Frankenstein because yeah. you've got that, what's that general guy's name with the eye patch and they're throwing darts. At that right, movie. he has a mechanical arm and right, everything. Yeah. Right, yeah. Like that scene is, there's a scene in Son of Frankenstein that's, you know, it's directly parodying that scene. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff like that a, also. You mean a scene in Young Frankenstein that's parodying that scene? Yeah, the scene in Young Frankenstein where they're playing darts, there's a scene in Son of Frankenstein where they're okay. also... Very similar yeah. characters doing the exact same thing. Yeah, right. kind of having a very similar conversation, you know. And what's great, too, is, you know, the the really famous scene with Gene Wilder playing the blind guy in Young Frankenstein, right? right. And, you know, he's, there's all these... Oh, I mean, Gene Hackman. What did I say? Wilder. Gene Wilder. Oh, Gene Hackman. Yeah, Gene Hackman plays the blind man. And uh, that's like a direct you know, homage or parody of yeah. Bride of Frankenstein. There's a very similar sequence where the monster befriends a blind person and that's where he learns his first words and, and that sort of thing. There's um, also, a, that also reminds me of a bit of trivia that my, I think my dad told me this years ago that maybe I just heard it in a commentary or something, but Gene Hackman heard they were making this movie and he went to Mel Brooks and was like, hey, I want to be in this movie. Like, can you put me in it? And he was like, um... Well, the only part I have is the blind man. He's like, yeah, cool, I'll do that. Wow. Huh. And he just wanted to be in it. And that's I was like, cool. Oh, that's pretty cool. Also, another bit of trivia, the kid from Son of Frankenstein, the little kid we were talking about that you could imagine growing up to be Gene Wilder, yeah. he was the voice of Bambi. In the, really? Yeah. There was something we were watching. We were watching TCM yesterday, last night, and they were having a festival, a, com- a commercial for a festival, and one of the guests was the voice of Bambi. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. The... It didn't say he was the son of he was in Son of Frankenstein. It was just like voice of Bambi. Wow. Yeah. And I think he he kind of grew up away from Hollywood and stuff. I think he became a police officer or something like that. But uh, then years later, I think I read I was reading this whole thing online once. But um, 
he was talking to like his, his grandkids or somebody like that, and they were. Uh, uh, I think Kia just looked it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, they were talking to him, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I was in that Bambi movie." And they're like, "What? That, that's <laughs> you? You were the a Bambi? Badass cop or whatever, yeah. right?" Yeah. But he was a little humble about it. He's right. like, "Eh, who cares? I was a kid, you know." But and then he found out like people really, you know, cared, and I think started going to mm-hmm. conventions and stuff. Guess and stuff where he was raised. Bambi. In Memphis, Tennessee, y'all. Oh, hell yeah. He was born in Texas, but moved to Memphis. How'd he get into Frankenstein? He was very little. <laughs> very, very little. Any, um, any closing comments on Gene young, Wilder? He was young Bambi, so I guess not the older Bambi. Right. So, there you go. Baby Bambi. Baby Bambi. Baby Bambi. Was that worth uh, cutting me off, Kia? It was. Cause, um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> wrapping up on Gene Wilder? Yeah, any, any other closing statements or anything like that? I'm going to... Parting um, shots on Mr. Wilder. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's it's sad news. Um, even though he was an older gentleman, but uh, yeah. and he hasn't you know done any acting in like twenty years, but he's still uh, one of the greats, and it's you know it's sad to see him go. But he left behind some really great stuff. Mm. I guess watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory won't be as happy as it usually is. But, well, you know, personally, we've talked about this, but but I do think that, you know, as sentimental as it might sound, uh, I would think that the people that made that film and Wilder in particular would really want people to keep watching it post them dying. You know, that they would really enjoy the idea that people continue to love the movie and, yeah. and revisit it, regardless of how long they've been gone and everything. I'm sure that's something that comforts them. The filmmakers and and Wilder before he died is the idea that people would remember him, you know. Yeah. So. Left behind a great legacy. Oh, for sure, without doubt. But the end will be kind of sad, like when he's on the elevator. Yeah. Like flying away, it'll be like, oh no. Mm -hmm. But he rode a different sort of elevator. Wow. Into heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, Maybe it was an escalator. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin traveling in the world of my creation. What we'll see will defy explanation. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do it. Want to change the world? There's nothing to it. It's 
so it is the first week of September, which means it is officially time to start celebrating and decorating for Halloween. Uh, I like to start in August, but I feel like uh, most people think that's a little too early. And I feel like September is probably the earliest you can do it where the majority of people will, you know, find it acceptable. Yeah. Um, and I actually thought of doing this on my way to work one day. I was thinking about the best place to find uh, the shop for Halloween decorations and stuff. And I was like, ooh, that could be a good segment. So I made a list of eight things. I should... Uh, eight places that are uh, my personal favorite places to go. Now, you know, listeners and even you two may even have better ideas than me. So if you guys think of something that I haven't written on the list, you know. He's covering the list up yeah, with his hand. And yeah, I'm going to do like a top eight thing. I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way to the top. I, I would like to make a very quick observation. You already saw the list. No, 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 no. <laughs> last year, it may have been two years ago, but I'm pretty sure it was last year, in mid-August, mm-hmm. you and I started looking around, Jeff and I started looking around places uh, that would have Halloween stuff. And I remember very specifically, we went to Home Depot mm-hmm. to see if they had anything out for, for Halloween. And the people that worked there acted like we were insane mm-hmm. for even thinking it, for even like, you know, yeah. asking about Halloween decorations in general, let alone that they would have them out anytime soon. They, they just yeah. at, I mean, they really did look at us like we were insane. And uh, it was like two weeks ago, I went into Lowe's randomly for landscaping stuff, and they already had all their Halloween stuff out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like full swing, Halloween, like Stay Pup, Marshmallow Man, Blow Up. I mean, just yeah. all kinds of stuff. And I just thought... Things are changing with with Halloween decor. Like I guess because so many adults are into it now, yeah. and they realize that there is a market for it. That a lot of places are pushing it much earlier than they used to. Because uh, I feel like the same type of place last year outwardly rejected us for even <laughs> bought, you know having the, the balls to bring it up in yeah. front of them. You know they act I, like you're insane. I remember that because I'd seen a bunch of the Halloween stuff on their website. I was like, oh, right. I got Halloween stuff out now. We should go yeah. check out what they have. And like I remember it was like an older guy, and he looked at us like. We were idiots. I mean, he really did. Like, I mean, he almost—he he might as well have said, "You are idiots for asking me that." Yeah. I mean, he basically did it, you know. Yeah, he was basically like, "Why the hell would we have Halloween stuff? It's yeah. August." And right. We're like, well, McDonald's or not McDonald's? <laughs> like Walmart put their candy out. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you know. Like, we saw it on your website, you jerk. Like Walmart. But I, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up because. Uh, uh, Home, yeah, Lowe's and Home Depot did not make my list, but that's a great honorable mention because Lowe's and Home Depot, you wouldn't think would have a lot of good Halloween stuff, but mm-hmm. the stuff they have there is, you know, pretty good, pretty, pretty good, good high end, you know, yeah. stuff. Yeah, and I've noticed they have like really cool lights there too. Mm-hmm. They have those. I've noticed they've become really popular with Christmas as well. They have those like big kind of spotlights that you can shine on your house that are different colors and they make like wavy, have like a wavy look to right, it. Right, right, and uh. I'm actually going to get one of the ones I saw at Lowe's. It's like a blacklight looking one. But they also have a green one and a red one and orange and stuff. Uh, but yeah, good call on that. Yeah. <laughs> Honorable mention. Great yeah. Number eight. This is a pretty, pretty obvious one. I just put it on there because I didn't think of Lowe's. I wish I had thought of Lowe's. I would have put that. <laughs> See, we should have like... Confirmed no, no, on we'll, this, we'll, but, we'll. Um, but yeah, I, said, I put Party City because nice. 
this 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 list is more for decorations than it is for uh, um, costumes. costumes. Yeah, but I I really like Halloween masks. It's something. It's a people collect Halloween masks. I don't uh, because it's an expensive hobby. You know, average Halloween mask is around like sixty bucks. So, uh, but I would love to be able to collect them. But that's why I put Party City on there because they tend to have a good selection of uh, latex Halloween masks. And, uh, you know, they get all the ones from, like, Ghoulish Productions, and um, uh, they get some Trick or Treat Studios and Zagoni, and there's, like, those those name brand, like, the, the big names in Halloween masks, they get those. I went I went to Party City, a couple, like, a couple of weeks ago, and they already had a bunch of stuff out. They had, like, uh, Halloween 6 Michael Myers, and they, yeah, just a bunch of really cool ones. Nice. Um, and I love that, that feeling when you walk into a store and you just smell that smell of latex and stuff and you're like <laughs> ah it's Halloween time interesting <laughs> what are you trying to say Kia? nothing you're like condoms <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the smell of condoms in the morning <laughs> <laughs> I smell sex and Halloween in here I smell sex and Halloween Number seven. This is one that I almost didn't put the, my next two on this list because I was like, that's a little too easy. But I put Halloween Express. I don't know if the people listening, if they have a Halloween Express in your town or not. But uh, I think how, with Halloween Express, it's like a, you know, it's one of those pop-up Halloween stores. Right. I think it kind of depends on whoever's running that store. You know, dictates what kind of merchandise they have in it. Because I've been to some Halloween Expresses and they have nothing that you ever want to buy. And then you go to another one and it's full of like amazing masks and some really cool props and stuff like that. Right. But uh, there is, there's been a few that I've been to that had some really cool stuff. So I went ahead and put that on there. Uh, and then, what, what was probably your biggest find at a Halloween Express over the years? Uh, well, last year I went. Uh, with someone to we went to a haunted house in Alabama for the night of Halloween and because uh, you know we just wanted to go out of town and like check out some of the some other ones in some other towns and along the way we kind of would stop we would, we would look up if there's any Halloween stores between there and where we were going and uh, like oh there's a Halloween Express in this off this one exit let's go check it out probably don't have anything we walked in there and they had all these amazing masks that uh, we hadn't seen at any other store. They had all these Nightbreed masks and uh, that were made by Trick or Treat Studios and we'd only seen pictures of them on the internet. We hadn't actually seen them in person but they had every one of them and we were just like, oh my god. And the guy I was with, like he collects Halloween masks and he was just sitting there trying to like wheel and deal with the guy who owned the place. He's like, you know, uh, is everything in here going to be 50% off tomorrow? And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, I live in Tennessee. Would you know? Would you be able to kind of cut some deal with me? Because I'm going to buy a lot of masks. And the guy was like, well, can't do it, man. He's like, you're only going to be open for another couple hours. You know, are you you really think you're going to sell all of these before you close? Like, no, no, no. You have to come back in the morning. He's like, I'm not going to drive back here from Nashville, you know. But uh, ended up not getting any of them. Yeah. But um, that's a whole long tangent. But yeah, that one had some really cool stuff. But. the one here in Rivergate never has anything. Like it's all sort of the same generic stuff they right, right. Year. Number 
Spirit Halloween. I put that one one notch above Halloween Express because uh, Spirit of Halloween they have their own like line of uh, Halloween props and decorations that you can only get at Spirit Halloween, mm. um, and some of them are pretty cool, uh, you know. But some of them are also pretty cheesy. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I just put them above them. I mean, even even though they're masks. They're pretty much the same kind of generic stuff. But, right. Uh, but now we're going to get into the... Deep cuts. Yeah, deep cuts. The good stuff. Number five. Number five. I put I put two here because it's kind of similar. Uh, Walgreens and CVS. Drugstores. Yeah. Okay. Because with Walgreens and CVS and those kind of places... Uh, I'm always I've, like the last few years I've been pretty surprised with like the quality of some of their Halloween merchandise, like their decorations. Um, I mean, they have some kind of, some stuff that's like cheapo, normal stuff that you would get anywhere else, but they also have a they'll they'll have just enough uh, stuff that's specific to to those places. Right. They're really nice. Like uh, last year, I got these. Um, I guess they're made of resin, but they're. Um, uh, they have LED lights in them, and it's like one is a skull, like a really cool-looking, evil-looking skull with a candle melting on the top of it. And it's got LED lights in the eyes and on the flame. And then they have the same kind of thing, but it's a jack-o'-lantern. And then they have another one with a spell book with a skeleton coming out of it. And I remember that one. I think, making yeah. like a little shush sound. <laughs> uh, and CBS tends to get some pretty cool stuff, or like like surprisingly cool stuff for CBS. There's been stuff that I've seen there. I'm like, what is this doing here? You know, I, like a couple years ago, I went there and they had these, uh, excuse me, they had these vine arms that you could stick into the side of a jack-o'-lantern and it makes it look like the, the you know, the pumpkin has arms and it, it's made by uh, Villafane Studios. Which I don't know if you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Villafane Studios, You, uh, if you Google them, you'll, pulls up all this amazing stuff it's this guy Villafane is his last name I forget his first name but um, he he does all the pumpkin sculpting you know he goes in with sculpting tools and makes like really cool entry right. faces and these pumpkins and he designed these arms and uh, I had only seen them online and then a friend of mine just texted me one day and sent me a picture and was like you were not going to believe what I just found at CVS and he sent me this picture I was like what? Like, what is yeah. that doing at CVS? <laughs> and I immediately went to CVS and bought some. Uh, so yeah, like every now and then you'll just find some gems there. Cool. Number four. Uh, I put Home Goods slash TJ Maxx. What? There's a place called Home Goods. Yep. Where is that? There's one in Hendersonville in the same shopping center as like Target and Kohl's. Hmm. Uh, but Home Goods is this place that uh, only within the last, I uh, say, two or three years, that has be- has you know popped up on my radar because I have another friend who I have this friend in Connecticut <clears throat> uh, who actually runs his own pumpkin carving website. He you know sells the uh, the pattern, mm-hmm. the pumpkin patterns, stencils, yeah, zombiepumpkins dot com. Uh, he, he was sending me pictures of, like, cool stuff that he was finding, you know, when he was out shopping. And, 
he sent me this picture of all this amazing stuff, like really high quality, like, you know, classy looking stuff. And uh, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Where is that? He was like, oh, it's at Home Goods. I'm like, you know, they <laughs> sold stuff like that at Home Goods. And, um, but just, you know, a couple weeks ago, I went and I bought this uh, Frankenstein's Monster Bust. Uh, and it's painted black and white. And uh, it looks really cool. It's got these little headstones all around the bottom. And uh, it's got red LED lights in the eyes, which I kind of wish it didn't have any kind of LED lights or anything to it because it doesn't need it. It's The sculpture looks pretty cool. Uh, but it just looks like a nice quality thing that you, you know, if you're a horror fan, you would want to leave it out year-round. Um, so there's that. And I, Craig and I went there last year and looked around. Uh, I don't know if you remember that or not. I don't really. We went so many places, <laughs> it's kind of a blur to me now. Yeah. Yeah, it's they have a lot of good stuff. And TJ Maxx, I think it's the same same company that mm-hmm. owns both of those, so they get similar items. But uh, yeah, I, I always find at least like one really cool thing there every year where I'm like, I, I can't leave here without buying that. Let me ask you something about Halloween, Halloween decor. Like, it's because you're probably of you know personal friends and everything. You're easily the one that loves Halloween the most, right? Mm-hmm. And especially this part of it, like decorating yeah. and yeah, you know the the artsy craftsy side, right? Um, right now, you live in an apartment, right? If you had a full fledged house, like, and if it was up to you, right, yeah. how much of it would be year round Halloween? Do you think would there be yeah. designated spots, or would it just be like the whole house could potentially have Halloween stuff, or how would you do it? Do you think? I think I would designate one room to be the Halloween room, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but that would also double as my office. Right. So I would just have it like decked out with Halloween stuff, uh, and then probably just a few knickknacks here and there throughout the house, because uh, my apartment right now, there's you know, a handful of things that I would kind of leave out year round already, right. but uh, yeah, once once it gets this time of year, it all bets are off. Yeah, it just, just sort of you off. walk in, you're like, dude, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd probably just have like one one room to de- designate. Right. Uh, and that's and that's why I like Home Goods and TJ Maxx so much is their I like their stuff because it is kind of higher quality. Uh, it looks a little classier, you know. Yeah. It's the kind of stuff that you know looks a little more adult. So, uh, we're out to the top three. Top three, y'all. Number three. Two and three, I kind of struggled. I didn't really know which one I was going to put first. But for number three, I put Target. Target, really? Yeah. Very mainstream, standard yeah. place. Is and it Monster Cereal? Is that what kind of puts them over the top? They've no, been kind of the big carrier of it. You can get Monster Cereal everywhere, but Target always has the exclusive boxes. Right. Uh, when those are usually cool, they usually use like the retro boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Target, they always have, you know, kind of like some of these other stores I was talking about, they have their own exclusive Halloween right. decorations and stuff. And their their stuff always seems to be just a little bit better quality than everybody else's. Um, you know, at, at least, like, if you com- compared them, you know, Walmart or Kmart or places like that, uh, they always, I don't know, there's something about their stuff that just seems a little nicer. Like, last year they had these um, little screamer dolls, I guess you would call them, where you... you press the belly of them and they go ah, and their yeah. eyes light up and uh, they they did a zombie a werewolf 
a witch and a skeleton and they were all really cool looking uh, I only ended up getting two of them but, I, but uh, they're really awesome actually the zombie one looks exactly like uh, zombie Andrew Jackson from the comic book we did wow <laughs> I looked at that and I was like oh man if you just like put a different colored jacket on him it doesn't Very even cool. you wouldn't have to do oh. anything um yeah, I, I just always like target stuff, and I always get excited to you know when I see them starting to put stuff out. Like yeah. right now, they've at the one closest to us, they only have out the candy. Um, when I see the back slowly. to school stuff get getting knocked away, I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah, that, that, you know what I mean. That to me means they're they're about ready to put that the Halloween stuff right in the spot. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah and last year, they, and every year they come up with something new too, which I like. Like last year, they came out with these. Um, this radio, this it looked like an old tiny radio. When you turn it on, these little LED lights pop, turn on in the inside, and they're really colorful. And then you turn the station, it sound they have sound bites in it that sound like they're from, you know, some other world. You know, there's right, some, right. you know the the witch's station where they're like, ah, you're listening to Key Witch, <laughs> was, you know. But uh, yeah, just fun stuff like that. Number two. I went with Michaels. Oh, Michaels. classic! Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I had forgotten about it. Yeah. Honestly, being on the list, yeah. Michaels is always. It, Michaels seems to be the first place every year that gets Halloween stuff, mm-hmm. uh, at least around here. And um, their stuff tends to be some of the better stuff too, because um, uh, kind of a staple every year are those uh, foam pumpkins. And uh, Craig and I have, over the years, you know, we'll we'll carve those rather than getting a real pumpkin. Because a real pumpkin, you carve that, you put all this work into doing these intricate designs, and then, you know, two days later, it's a pile of mush. Right. But, you know, you get the the foam pumpkins, you can cut them out and keep them for years. Theoretically keep them forever. Yeah. 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 And you just, you know, put an LED light in there, and they they look great. Uh, So I love Michael's, like, just for that but then also they tend they get their own you know exclusive michael stuff every year and uh, i tend it seems like every year not every year but they tend to have a lot of like cool busts like i got this one skeleton bust one year that looked really cool it looked like mm. victorian era oh right yeah, 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 yeah and then a year a year or two after that they did sort of a cartoony version of a skeleton bust and that's one of my all-time favorite halloween decorations that i own that's when yeah, I you got, last year you got like a trick or treat like mantle piece. I got some from... pieces for um I'm not like a huge decorator, um, but I know Craig is really into Halloween. So um in my apartment I got some decorations for my fireplace mantle. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little trick or treat sign and um there's like some uh, spell books. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and I think there was like a skeleton with a crow sitting on top of it, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I'll I'll put those I'll put those out again. So yeah, they do have a lot of neat like knickknacks that are not super expensive. Well, so. and what's that the uh, model kit that they have that they always add on to every year that they always have right, to set up like at my Spooky Town or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like Spooky yeah. Town USA or something like yeah. that. Um, that's one of those things where I would never buy them, yeah. but they look amazing. I mean, like, yeah, a, yeah if you yeah. have like a room dedicated to them, I could see where they would be 
you know, extremely fun to set up and add yeah. to and everything. But it's just like, yeah, really expensive just buying them in general. But then, like, where are you going to store this stuff and set it up yeah. every year? And I guess you probably get, like, a nice display case for right. it. Right. And, and just like, add to it. put it in, like, an office mm-hmm. or... I feel like it's like one of those things thing. that you would buy like one piece a year to add to your. Because right. they do that for Christmas too. They have like yeah. their little Christmas town. They, that's probably how it originally started. It's probably a spin off of Christmas town. <laughs> yeah. One thing I got this year from Michaels that is like probably the coolest thing I've ever gotten from Michaels is this uh, skeleton wine bottle holder. And it's like the skeleton, and he's leaning back, and, he, and if you, you put a wine bottle on top of him, and he looks like he's hugging the wine bottle <laughs> holding it for you. Yeah. Uh, my friend Ryan had uh, sent me a, a photo from Michael's. He's like, hey, oh, Michael's got their stuff out. And I went to our local Michael's, and they didn't have half of that stuff there. And I was like, why did you get cooler stuff at your Michael's than we did? Mm. And uh, he's like, well, I think it's just like regional. You know, some areas get certain things. Uh, but I happened to find that wine bottle holder at one Michael's that's in Nashville. So I drove to that specific Michaels just to get that wine bottle holder and because uh, I still haven't seen it in any other ones around here so if you want to go to a good Michaels go to the one at 100 Oaks Mall just heads up <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a jump but, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're in the air right? uh, and so on to number one number one Cracker Barrel that's a good call. Did not make the list. <laughs> That's honorable mention. Though. Can I like give us three guesses for number one? Okay. Cracker Barrel didn't count. Um, Kirkland's. No, that's also a good call. They have those cool light up mm-hmm. pictures that look like paintings with LED lights in them. You're not including online resources, right? These are exclusively places that you can drive to yourself. Mm, yes. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would say Walmart, but you've already said Target was better than Walmart, so I'm thinking not Walmart. Yeah, Walmart's kind of baseline. I don't even know that many Walmart would... stores that have Halloween things. I give mm. up. Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a... I, yeah, after Michael's, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Toys R Us? No. I, I have to admit, this is kind of cheating when you asked about can you drive there. If you can drive there if you live in a certain area. Oh, is it Halloween Town? Is that what we're going to? Ding, ding, okay. ding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, I went with Halloween Town, which is in uh, Burbank, California. And uh, Craig and I lived in California briefly. I lived there for like two years. Mm-hmm. I think we were there two years too. But the like right before I moved there, I'd seen a special on TV about Halloween. And they mentioned this story where, like, you know, Halloween has taken off so much that, you know, there's a, a year-round Halloween store in Burbank, California. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm perked up. And I'm, like, writing down the like address and stuff. Like, oh. Yeah. So as soon as I got there, I was like, we, dude, we've got to go check out this. There's a year-round Halloween store. So, you know, it was, you know, like March or something. I can't remember what month it was. But it was not October. Uh, and we went there. And it is, like, the mecca of Halloween stores. Certainly. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, it's a bit overpriced, uh, but it's. I just love going there and walking around. Yeah. So it is dark inside. Yeah. I'm looking it up. It's and cool. It's yeah. The decor is great. They have these mm-hmm. different sections. There's cool. uh, the parlor in the back where, when you walk into the parlor, it look they have this facade that looks like you know the front porch, like a spooky front porch, and they usually have a mannequin and decorations up there, and you know orange fake orange leaves everywhere. 
And then when you walk in the parlor, there's this big table, and they usually have some kind of, you know, creepy creature dummy sitting there. And uh, and they always have the Haunted Mansion soundtrack playing back there. Mm. And they do uh, art shows a lot. They sell artist prints like that you can only get there. And, um, you know, you can get every, everything like T-shirts, uh, action figures, books, decorations. And they have like three different locations on the same street there's the main building and then there's one that's just halloween costumes and one that's just for kids but uh pretty much that whole street in uh magnolia boulevard and uh burbank is you know sort of like the spooky district because across the street there's also creature features that uh it's not really a halloween store but they have a lot of similar stuff in there where it's you know sci-fi horror related memorabilia and then uh, there's dark delicacies down the street and blasts from the past. And, but, uh, yeah, I would say definitely number one, Halloween Town. If anyone's ever in L.A., go check it out. That's, yeah, if, it, that's definitely one of those things. If you have even a passing interest in Halloween or horror, it's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're in that area, for sure. Yeah, I think we, we talked about it one time where people would ask us, you know, hey, I'm going to L.A., like, what do you recommend we do? And you and I aren't like the typical right. people, so we're like, go to Halloween Town. <laughs> right. People Halloween show up there town. and they're like, what? Okay, well, like, yeah. Like it's June. I don't want to go to a Halloween right. store, yeah. you know. But that's that's always the first place I go when I go to go out there. So it looks cool. Yeah. On pictures. I feel like there's a certain specific thing about that store I'm leaving out, but I think we, we pretty much covered it. So, kids, do you have any? Uh, places that you like to shop during oh. Halloween season or anything like that? Again, or? I'm not a, a decorator. Um, but, and I don't really celebrate Halloween in the sense of dressing up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like going to um, Bath and Body Works. Oh, yeah. I like going to Bath and Body Works anyway. But <laughs> um, at Halloween, and I don't think I really noticed this until last year, and it might be for, because of Craig's mom, who's also a big Back and Body Works fan because I think she's the one that got us Vampire's Blood, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she got us. Um, they have a really nice hand soap called Vampire's Blood that smells really good. And um, we went a few days ago when they had a soap called Buried, like berries like that you eat but buried alive. <laughs> and there's another one that was called Ghoul something. I think. Yeah, it was like green. Yeah, right? yeah. And now they have you know. Um, Candles that are themed for the fall and also Halloweeny and yep. Halloween candle holders. And what was the Halloween? You got a Halloween candle. What it's called, it called. I don't know if it's really Halloween or just autumn, but it's called Vanilla Pumpkin Marshmallow. Yeah. And it smells like it sounds. Um, yeah. And they had a, a body cream for Halloween that I got called Perfect Pumpkin, <laughs> <laughs> which smells like pumpkin and cinnamon, and it's really nice. And and you can't go wrong with. Bath and Body Works. I mean, it's yeah. just it's 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 my Halloween town. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I'll say those candles do help set a mood. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like when you have those candles yeah. going, and they have those those fall smells or yeah. those candy smells, whatever. It really does feel like Halloween to me. You know what I mean? And like, they have like those cool are candle holders that are Halloween Halloweenish, and they have a they have like a really big haunted house thing that I'm I'm assuming you put candles in it, mm-hmm. um, right? So, yeah, so it's not just lotions, it's candles, but also 
decorative things like candle holders and Oh, great. I was going to say, like, last year I bought a couple of the air freshener units that they have. One looks like oh, yeah. a haunted house. Yeah, Nightlight, yeah. you plug it in, it's, you know, air freshener. And there's another one that looks like a little ghost that's trick-or-treating. <laughs> and, you know, you plug it in, it's a nightlight yeah. slash air freshener. Yeah. It's the best store ever. It, it is a pretty awesome <laughs> store, I have to say. There's a... I thought it was going to be on your list for some reason. You know, like an like outlier, like number eight. Because Craig something. said that you liked Bath and Body Works. I was like, I oh. thought you did for some reason. I thought you had gone there before yeah. for that stuff. There's but. a lot of stuff that I left off the list. I, I didn't want to make it, like I started writing on like everything at one point. I think I had like 15 things and I was like, this is too much. I'm just going to make down <laughs> a few. But uh, you mentioning Bath and Body Works reminded me uh, like Yankee Candle always has some really cool Halloween stuff. Right. Mm. They have their own specific line of, you know, Spooky candle holders. Right. I think like I bought that. one one year that looked like a jack o' lantern or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like candy corn. Just locally, the Bath and Body Works is right across the street from Yankee Candle, so get all competition. Hits, both of them. I didn't even notice that. Competition. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you got anything that I might have left off or you were thinking of? I can't think of anything. I mean, uh, you know, for me, like, uh, probably because, partially because of you and partially because of Dinosaur Dracula. Um, I, I am always on the lookout now for like uh, treats, mm-hmm. like unique treats for the season and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, for me, supermarkets have become the thing that yeah. have replaced decor or whatever. Because like when I go to a supermarket, I'm always worried about monster cereals, like the traditional cereals that have a Halloween variation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like treats, like little Debbie treats that they put out that are different now. Like I'm always looking for those now. I mean, yeah. religiously at this point. So uh, that's kind of replaced looking for, you know, specific decorations or anything right, yeah. now. T- to a point. Not I mean once it goes full swing it'll probably get But that's like up. your thing that you get most excited about. I have to admit, once I see that stuff out, especially the cereals, for some reason now and as a kid that really was never to be honest, that was never really a that big of a deal for me. The treats and stuff like that. Yeah. It was more of the movies and mm-hmm. you know that but see I, I guess that's the other thing is as, as an adult I can watch horror movies and no one gives a shit. Right. Whereas a kid <laughs> you kinda have to, you know Pick your spots, yeah. you know, to, to actively yeah. watch that stuff. Yeah, and it's almost flipped now. Like, you know, I I bought a, a box of Frankenberry this morning, and uh, I was with someone, and she was just like, are you, "Why are you buying that? Like, you're like a you're a grown man, you're uh, gonna eat cereal." Like, <laughs> and I was like, "Nuts to like her, it, man! You know? Seriously, like, who cares?" Well, I mean, like, she wasn't being like me. Yeah, about it. she's more like teasing shops, me. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, I get the same way. I, when I saw the monster cereals today. I also saw they had these Rice Krispie treats that had the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man on the box, and I was like, oh, can I want to buy those? <laughs> and I, I almost sent you a picture of it because I was like, I bet Craig would like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, it, it does become like a thing where I resist buying. I mean, I love it all. I just think it's amazing. You know, it's yeah. super fun. But yeah, I do kind of resist buying it because I know inevitably I'm going to be the one that eats all this garbage. You know, and just literal garbage food. You yeah. Know, um, so. We have like the trifecta of decorations. Like you. Or Halloween, like you're the decorations, you're the food, and I'm this this the smells of all. Yeah. <laughs> We're like the Halloween the different senses. Yeah, yeah. All, yeah. It's a yeah, different senses. Perfect team right. here. Yeah. yeah, it also like shows a lot about our personalities. Yeah, because I'm the fat one. <laughs> <laughs> I am not according to and my And I'm dad. the one that smells <laughs> yet. Yeah, the, I actually noticed how great it smelled when I came came in today. I was like, you burned some kind of candle or something yeah. that smelled very fall like. Yeah, like, this is great. Right. So, very cool. Cool. 
So there's the uh, Halloween shopping list mm. for 2016. And the crypt north creek and the tombstones quake. Spooks from the wake. Happy haunts materialize. And begin to vocalize. Grim ghosts are to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. Or a silly spook may sit by your side. Shrouded in a darkish hide. Okay, so I have been a little bit more active on our social networking and trying to put us out there a little bit more to get a little bit of interaction from people. Uh, last night, I tweeted out there under our, uh, our uh, Twitter account, which is... H A Horrorcast. Yes, it's H A Horrorcast at H A Horrorcast. <laughs> All right. It, I can't fit in the whole thing. It, I, I can't be at half-ass horrorcast. I don't, don't, half-ass use, horrorcast. I don't use Twitter, so it's, it's funny. It can't be works. at half-ass horrorcast. So the best that, I could do was H A horrorcast. I don't think that's why we're laughing. Okay. It's more like just the way you're saying the it. way you read at it. Yeah. H A. You know, <laughs> okay. At H A horrorcast, I, I tweeted out that. One thing, we have access to our Gmail again, which I lost access to it. So I got it back. Uh, that is halfassedhorrorcast at gmail.com. So it's just our, the title of the podcast at gmail.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I tweeted that out there, right? I tweeted out there that, you know, you can reach us at this Gmail and uh, give us questions, comments, whatever. Went to bed, didn't even think about it, and uh, got up this afternoon. Well, I didn't get up this afternoon, but I checked up this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> and we had, we actually had an email from someone, uh, which, uh, this is going to show how creepy I am. I looked up the name just to see who it was, and I think it's a dummy name. So oh, okay. I don't know if this person wants to be anonymous or not, so we'll just play it safe and assume that they want to be anonymous, okay? Um, but uh, they write... Hey, half-assed horrorcast! I recently found your podcast, and I wanted you—I wanted to drop you a line to let you know how much I enjoy H A H C. Your topics are always entertaining, with spot-on recommendations. I particularly appreciate the conversations that come out of ca- casual banter you fall into effortlessly. Mm. Jeff brings an interesting viewpoint that I relate to most. I too have been waiting for my invitation to the Midnight Miss Society for years, and it warms my heart to see someone else appreciate the Roseanne Halloween episodes as much as I do. Some impressive eps you might have missed are the Halloween shows for The Office, Community, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and The Goldbergs. Check them out. Oh, I used to watch The Goldbergs, but I stopped because I have I watch a lot of stuff. Did you see the Halloween episode? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I I've never even too. watched one. I don't watch think so. The uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Halloween episodes are really funny. The one where they try to figure out who got depregnant is hilarious. <laughs> That's a Halloween episode. Yeah, interesting. I'm surprised you haven't seen that. It was great. Uh, where uh, Danny DeVito was instead of being Spider Man, he went as Man Spider. She continues. Uh, Kia's, or is it she? I, well, the name Sounds is like a feminine name. Okay. But again, it's a dummy name. Because I looked up the name and it's like a Polish writer from the 1800s. So it's not, you know what I mean? Whatever, whoever did this deliberately picked a dummy name. So it's very, it's cool. mysterious. Uh, Kia's music recommendations are on point. The guest soundtrack is amazing and I find myself searching the racks to find other good soundtracks to listen to. 
I'm also eagerly awaiting fully produced versions of both I Frankenstein and the Conjuring <laughs> 3 songs. <laughs> Copyrights be damned. Uh, says, uh... Craig makes the podcast run smoothly, even what? when he makes questionable <laughs> Twitter handle suggestions. Uh, All together, you, you guys have a really great show. Your incredible chemistry and fun, unique an- antidotes, am I saying that right? Antidotes make the show stand out among a sea of other pods out there today. If I can be so bold as to make some movie topic, uh, movie slash topic recommendations, I'd love to see you guys review or discuss some awesomely a- 80s horror flicks, obscure ones, uh, that might have slid under the radar from the listener base. Uh, thanks for listening to me dribble on about how wonderful you all are, and I'm looking forward to more episodes with plays in the future. Here's a small token of appreciation so you guys can go out and see a movie on me. And they include a Fandango gift card code. What? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, thanks, Mom. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, so nice. But yeah, they, they, they gave us like a pin, and it's a $50 value. What? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Uh, and it says, it, it, it closes out, P.S., the new logo looks great. Awesome. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah it's very cool. cool. And I think yeah. we definitely should take the recommendation. And I know there are some 80s movies that we've talked about, like Nightbreed. Um mm. I introduced Craig to Ghoulies. Yeah, I'm obsessed um, with Ghoulies now. And we're all so. like 80s babies, so yeah. Craig's a 70s baby. But <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, I'm a 70s baby technically, too. Oh, I, I, I only lived I, in the 70s for like a year and a day. I'm the young one. I was um, in there for like two months. But, <laughs> but yes, I think that's. I think we should yeah. check out some 80s movies. For sure, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Plus, I mean... It's economical. Yeah. So, <laughs> we, we should, I think we should do The Gate sometime. Cause the Gate? I introduced Craig to that, too. Right. He had never seen yeah. it. Yeah. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. He used to come on TV so like every Saturday. That'd be fun. And that kind of falls in with the, the, the Critters era, where yeah. it's like Gremlins and Critters and Ghoulies. We have The Gate with these little monsters. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I love all those You movies. watched Critters not that long ago. Yeah. 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 Or maybe... Uh, if they had some, or who is this? I guess it, she's well, the, the name I don't know even how to pronounce it. Mara Zalgaski, okay. Zalgaska. Okay. Well, I mean, if, if she has any kind of specific things in mind, you know. Sure. If you have yeah. any specific movies, let us know. Specific yeah. recommendations will be accepted, especially from someone that obviously listen to it and thank yeah. you for such a thoughtful letter yeah. and positive yeah. critiques about each and every one of us yeah. I'm sorry I read it too because I'm probably the worst person oh, to read but you, like you're gonna you read it. help the podcast run smoothly yes, yes. <laughs> um, wow yeah thanks that was awesome incredibly, incredibly nice <laughs> um, so yeah and, and thank you obviously for the the gift card that's crazy that's so yeah, yeah. crazy um, that's like something your parents give you <laughs> I'm telling you, if one of our parents wrote that, no. <laughs> I don't think. I think if my if my parents knew about this, yeah. I'm pretty sure they would like write us a letter saying we should stop. Oh there are more God. constructive things you could do with your time. You are you're so, adults. You should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. I, I don't really uh, talk about the podcast to too many like my family members well, or anything in, in, I, I speculated that maybe it's someone I know on Twitter because uh, I, I have a Twitter hang, handle that has a, quite a few followers and everything mm-hmm. so it might be someone from there that just kind of doesn't want to be on front street about right. it you know it's, it's probably something as simple as that yeah. so no it's a brand new person. or it is a brand new person that stumbled onto show. this and yeah, yeah our show is getting out there yeah. it's good it's entertaining boom I, I'll take that yeah. I'll take that um 
So yeah, definitely. We'll definitely think about some 80s movies, some obscure ones. You know, hopefully some that are a little bit more off the beaten I spit path. on your grate. I'm just kidding. 70s. Boom. My era. Superway <laughs> camp. Your era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Superway camp for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. Wax uh, Museum. Wax right. Museum. Is that what it was called? Wax Museum? Waxworks? Waxworks. Yeah. No, there was only one called Wax Museum right. too, wasn't there? Probably. I think Waxworks. Okay. That was the one with the, the, the mm. horror film inside the horror film, right? I think so. Kind of like how Scream yeah. did it. Yeah. I think so. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for your uh, your thank mail, you. your email. We really appreciate it. Again, you can tweet us at HAHorrorCast. Again, that's at HAHorrorCast. Or you can email us at HalfAssedHorrorCast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I, I wanted to uh, blatantly rip off Half Hour, I mean, uh, what was it called? Uh, pop Culture Happy Hour, which is an NPR uh, show about pop culture, obviously. And they always end every episode talking about things that are making them happy, right? And then they'll go around the table of all the people that are on the panel, basically saying, you know, these are things that I discovered this week that I want to recommend to other people. And sometimes it's something brand new or something that they just missed in 1992 when they discovered it and they want people to, you know, revisit it. Um, so I thought we could spin this idea a little bit and call it things that are making us scared, right? So we're talking about genre things that we've recently discovered that we want to kind of recommend to other people, right? Okay. Uh, so Kia, do you have anything that you'd like to recommend this week? Yes. Um, I recently came across a movie called The Bad Seed. Um, I woke up one morning and turned the TV to Turner Classic um, Movies, and The Bad Seed was on, which is this movie from 1956. Um, it just, it's kind of like, it's based on a play, and it's based on a novel, but for um, today's audience, it's kind of like um, um, The Bad Son. Is that what it was called? Um, the Good Son. The Good Son. Yeah. A 90s movie with Macaulay Culkin and Elijah, Elijah Wood. Wood. Um, so it's kind of like that, but it takes place in 1956, um, and the, the bad seed is actually a, a girl. And I, I just really liked it because um, I'm not that necessarily a big fan of acting in classic Hollywood movies, because I think sometimes it's over the top and a little handy. But um, I figured the acting in this movie was really, really good, and I was really surprised by how the adults treated this little girl um, in, 1950, in a 1956 movie. And the same actors were also in the play, which it started, I think, in 1954. So they, and they did like 300 something shows of this play and then did this movie together. And it was, it was a really, really good movie. Um, and then um, I watched Psycho for the very first time yesterday. Um, so, and that was good. And the thing that surprised me about that movie was that I had seen, I had seen the ending already. So I, I knew how it ended. And I had seen, obviously, the shower scene. But what I didn't know, I thought, that Janet Lee was just someone who just happened to show up at the Bates Motel in the middle of the movie and was there for 10 minutes and she gets stabbed. I didn't realize that she was like a main character for the first half of She's the movie. She's essentially that, the protagonist. And that like, she yeah. had like a very significant backstory. I had no idea. Um, and I really liked the way Anthony Perkins acted in the middle of the movie. I commented that he kind of reminded me of Jake Gyllenhaal in the way that they kind of had this quirky way that they're kind of funny and they're kind of goofy but you kind of feel bad for them yeah. and you're also kind of oddly attracted to them <laughs> <laughs> um 
But anyway, so yeah, so my what I discovered was the bad seed from 1956 and Psycho 1960. That's a good call on the Jake Gyllenhaal thing. Yeah. Like you know they did that remake of of it years ago when Vince Vaughn played him. Uh, if they remade it today. Jake Jones would be perfect. Yeah, it would be pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And I am a fan, let me say, of Bates Motel. So I did kind of know mm. little things about Norman Bates' character from the TV show, mm. um, which is, by the way, a great TV show um, still. I thought it was kind of interesting watching it with someone that that knew, because we watched it together last night, and uh, like that, she, that Kia did know all the hallmarks of Psycho, like the shower scene, some of the lines, you know, that he says, you know, uh, uh we all go a little crazy sometimes, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Like we were like, ah, oh, you know, she, yeah. she kind of perked up when those things happen, but you can still watch that and enjoy that movie. Even knowing all those things, it's kind of yeah. neat. Like it's a pretty unique movie in that sense. Yeah. Um, and, uh, with the bad seed, I thought something that was, cause, oh, yeah, cause you, Craig saw the bad seed. Yeah. You introduced it to me last night and I got to watch it. And something I thought was neat is because since it was a stage play, it's almost all isolated to like two rooms. Like this whole movie yeah. pretty much takes place in, in this person's house and their backyard has a couple of scenes. Otherwise, they don't go anywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty much isolated those areas. And it's kind of neat how much they do with like such a small uh, area and just two or three major actors. You know, the rest of the people kind of come in and out or whatever, but it's kind of this, the daughter and the mother for most of the did movie. Did it stand out you know? to you like it did me, like the daughters acting and how the adults treated her yeah there were a couple of scenes where like adults go off on this little girl Mm -hmm. and i I was kind of surprised in that era that they were willing to like have someone you know i mean there's a scene where the mother is about to bum rush this little girl and this other lady has to hold her back and i was like holy crap and then she smashes a shoe next to this little girl and breaks all this glass and i'm like this movie is amazing 56 well i mean that's the thing you have to kind of put it in that perspective of what wow this is 1956 right for it to totally be effective, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. Like I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. it's a nice like classic night we had. Yeah, yeah. Psycho and Bad Seed. And The Walking Dead with Boris Karloff. Yeah, <laughs> we also watched 1936 <laughs> Walking Dead with Boris Karloff. <laughs> um, Jeff, how about you? What, what do you have for us? It's a YouTube channel that, nice. I, that I discovered probably a little less than a year ago. It was like right after Halloween. Uh, it's the if you want to look it up, it's Mask Wizard, all one word. Mask. Yeah, like Mask, Halloween Mask. Okay. Nice. Uh, but it's this YouTube channel of this guy named uh, David Lady, who goes by the name Dr. Lady. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, he reviews Halloween masks. He has two segments. One's called Creepy Cheapies, and the other's called The Mask Fan Attic, where he goes into his attic and he reviews a mask, like an older mask that you probably can't buy anymore unless you look it up on ebay or something but uh i, I just kind of stumbled upon him last year I, uh i wanted to buy this creature from the black lagoon mask and uh before i bought it, i was like i wonder if anybody has reviewed this mask online anywhere because you know pretty much anything you want to buy now you can find a youtube video of somebody reviewing it uh so i found hit this video and then i went and saw just looked to see if he had any other cool videos and he's just got He's got so many videos, and I've probably watched every one of them at this point. And uh, he is—he's—he's he's sort of got that personality of a, um, you know, like a horror movie marathon host. You know, those old school guys who would come on and be like, "Coming up next on the midnight feature," you know. 
he's kind of like that, but he's not really doing the character necessarily. He's being himself, but he, uh, he, I don't know. There's something like really charming about the guy. I really like him. He's, uh, he, he makes a lot of like corny jokes, mm. but they're like, they're so corny that they make me laugh out loud. Like, I don't know. He's, he's great. Well, I love him. I, you right, you mentioned this to me a while back, and I looked at a couple of his clips, and he struck me. He kind of has that like vibe of like an old school, uh, like the people that used to introduce movies back in the day, like in the sixties and seventies. Like, oh, right, that's what I was saying. Yeah, kind kind of like like I like his shit that yeah. you know that that's kind of the vibe he's going for, or whatever. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, and he 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 always starts every review. He starts every review and ends every every review with some kind of a joke. You know, he, he always pretends like he's talking to someone off camera, and he's like, oh, oh, hey, hey, what's, uh, welcome yeah. to Creepy Cheevies, you know, <laughs> and uh, he's just got a great personality, he's really, he's a really funny guy, and um, he's always at Mask Fest every year, and I'm thinking about going to that next weekend, so. Where is that? Maybe I'll meet him. It's in uh, Indianapolis. Okay. What, what, when is it? Uh, it's next weekend. This coming weekend? Yeah, it's like, I think Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but. I got a motherfucking work! Ah, shit. But, uh, yeah, he's. <laughs> He's. I, I recommend that. I, I really, I really enjoy his stuff. So. Cool. Very cool. A lot of videos. Yeah. Um. So I, I brought uh, a couple of comic book recommendations. Uh, first of all, is uh, if you're an '80s kid or if you like '80s uh, material, there's a Tales from the Dark Side comic book from IDW, and it's written by Joe Hill, and uh, the artwork is by Gabriel Rodriguez, who did uh, the. That was the team that did uh, Lock and Key. Um, Wait, just Joe, really Joe Hill of uh, He's Found in Down fame? No. Or... No, no. Joe Hill, author. Stephen Kingson, the author. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> isn't that the Jody guy? Hill, I think, is that guy. Jody, Jody. Okay, yeah. my mistake, sorry. Um, yeah, Joe Hill has written a lot of uh, horror novels, and he's, he's done a few comic books, horror comic books and stuff like that. Um, but uh, what's great about this is... It is going to be anthology. Like each issue is going to tell a, you know a tales from the dark side esque story, mm. but there's going to be an overreaching mythology that threads through each each issue. Nice. So they'll connect up where you know they'll have shared characters and shared themes and stuff like that. And uh, the artwork is just really great. Like I, I've really enjoyed the art in it and the characters and everything. Um, it really captured my imagination. I only have issue one. I meant to pick up issue two uh, this month, but I haven't yet. But I definitely will. Um, so yeah, Tales from the Dark Side, uh, very much so in the spirit of the classic TV show from the 80s, but with a new kind of spin from Joe Hill. Um, the other comic book I have is Marvel's The Vision, uh, which is at issue 10 now, and they're going to wrap up at issue 12, so it's going to be a self-contained story arc. You can probably wait for the trade, let's face it, um, or trades, I guess, yeah. but I've been collecting it individually as it goes, and what's weird is it's, you know, on the surface you think it's going to be this fun comic book about the Vision, you know, the Avengers character, right? The robot android or whatever, who's a superhero. But what it is, is this really melancholy book about suburbia. And it's like the Vision creates his own family. And it's kind of like their trials and tribulations on trying to be human <laughs> in, a group, you know, in the suburbs where everyone's like judging, judging the shit out of them. You know what I mean? All the things that could possibly go wrong with these characters. Yeah. And it's about as close to a Twilight Zone comic as I think uh, Marvel will ever get. You know what oh, I mean? Wow. Especially using their mainstream heroes. It's not like a what-if scenario. Supposedly it's going to have overreaching ramifications like going on in the stories of other comics and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, so I don't, I don't want to say too much about it uh, just because there's lots of twists and turns and lots of tragedy that happens in this. 
Um, but I picked it up on a lark, just like I'd heard somewhere someone recommended it to me, saying, "Oh, it's a dark comic," and I was like, "Really, a vision?" And I picked it up, and I was like, "Wow, this is really great." So it's uh, the vision, and it's written by Tom King and Gabriel Hernandez. Walta is the artist. Um, oh, cool. So it's really fun stuff. Issue ten right now, but uh, you probably pick up the trades. I have the, I have the actual live issues here, so Jeff is going through them now. So. Yeah, I like the uh, the artwork in these. Are- Fantastic. Yeah, it's really, it's like a really good sequential art too. You know what I mean? Like how they use the panels and everything. Yeah. Like, I'm really, it's really well done. I'm impressed with where some comic books have gone. Like when we were in, you know, kids in like the early '90s, you know, Marvel comics didn't look like this. No, you know, now yeah. they're, they're a lot more sophisticated. Yeah, they've matured a lot. So that's yeah, that's really cool. That's what sometimes I envy like Kia, who's kind of just now getting into. I mean, the past couple of years, getting mm-hmm. into like superhero comics. Um, I kind of envy her because, like, remember when you when you went back and read some old comics and you were just like, "Yeah, this is a little rough." <laughs> I mean, she, she gets to benefit from all those years of language and when they're trying to like build up to what we are now. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that those comics are bad. It's just they didn't know what they were doing in a lot of cases. You know, they're yeah. over-telling a lot of times. You know, yeah, that's kind of falling style away. of, yeah. like, this is Cyclops. He is a mutant. Yeah. I mean, like, you know. Yeah, there was a... I, I went back and reread some old Uncanny X-Men issue that I just pulled out of my box one day, and it was, like, a Wills Picasso issue. I think, like, Chris Claremont wrote it. And uh, I'm reading it just going, like, wow, this is really, like, it was written for children, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, like, super dumbed down, but it was very much in the vein of, you know, a superhero cartoon almost, you know, from, you know, the way the dialogue is and everything. Well, they always have to explain what they're doing with their powers. I think that's, like, this really important thing from, like, the 60s into the 80s, maybe even into the 90s. Mm Where they would go, you know, so-and-so's repulsal ray mm-hmm. is just enough to, uh, you know, to obscure the vision of the mighty blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Even though he has protected senses, he, man- you know, the, the whole thing, it's like, okay, you could just show us that and we could kind of figure out yeah, yeah. what's happening. You know, we don't have to literally have a panel. I forgot, what was I reading? Black it was, Panther. Was it Black Panther? It was okay. Fantastic Four, the first appearance of Black, Black Panther. Panther. It's in one of the trades that we have. And you, yes. you tried to read it and you were just like... I had to stop. It they're explaining too much. everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, which that's classic. That's Jack Kirby yeah. and Stan Lee. That's yeah. like as classic as you get. Mm-hmm. But that they did that big time. Yeah. But the people of that era didn't have that language. Like now we have like movies and you know we we've, we've been around comics so much that we kind of know what's up what's going on. without yeah. having to be told everything. Whereas in that era, maybe they needed that extra yeah. little push, you know. And I think there was also that mentality of like every comic book could be someone's first comic book, right? You know, and, yeah. yeah. Which I parroted that so many times to Kia when she's yeah. like. There's too much continuity. Who is this guy? What's this guy? You know what I mean? Like, hey, you should be able to pick up X-Men 356 and then it shouldn't matter. Cause it, you know, like I try to like spin that and it's like, no, not really. You really need to, you know, have a lot of this knowledge before you start reading them. You should have a, dis- a deeper discussion on comic books one day. Yeah. We do. We just could, we could frame it with horror stuff and then yeah. just broaden it up. Yeah. The half-ass comic cast. <laughs> Spin off every day. We every time we record, it's like one is half-ass horror cast. We've made so many podcasts, <laughs> and then we're gonna bring back Jeff's digital audio experience featuring Craig. Oh, I missed that one. I like the theme song. Uh, hey, you should. Will you play our old theme song on this episode? Sure. Just so people can hear. It. We used to have a podcast called uh, Jeff's Digital Audio Experience. Featuring Craig, 
And, so, uh, I think it was like around 2008 or so. Yeah, we were like in the first wave of podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. And uh, we had a really fun theme song. So stay tuned. We're not, we're not going to have a play today, but we will have a fun theme song from back in the day. Yeah. Enjoy. It's, it's by uh, Ben and Joey, who used to have their own podcast, The Ben and Joey Show. <laughs> Long since defunct. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was a great podcast. It was a fun it was podcast. So fun. I remember so it too. But uh, yeah, they did. They did oh. Can't believe, like when they sent us the files, I just yeah. my mind was blown. Like because they <laughs> they made bumpers for us yeah. as well as they did like a short version of the theme song and a long version. Yeah. And so anyway, <laughs> all right, guys. So I guess that that wraps it up. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Craig. I'm Kia. And I'm Jeff. And you just listened to the Half-Ass Forecast. Ooh.